45,000 denominations. 45,000 denominations. Protestant denominations. Have you heard that? That's from a study from 2014. What's the big deal? It's 45,000. That's the big deal. My friends, we are living in days very similar to the book of Judges where everybody does what is right in his own eyes. It is time for us to get back to the basics of Scripture, starting with the doctrine of Christ. And here's what he had to say about unity. John chapter 17, starting in verse 20. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them, as thou hast loved me. Jesus prayer in the garden was that we would have a perfect unity like he has with the Father above. I say unity. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Jesus prayed that we would all be one. But what does it actually mean? This word in the Greek is hain or hase. But in this particular verse it is hain. And its usage, according to Thayer's Greek lexicon, is one, and opposed to a division into parts, and in ethical matters to dissensions. Romans 12.4, 1 Corinthians 12.12 and 20 are examples. In this passage of John 17, it is to be united most closely in will or spirit. I would say, if we divide over non-essential issues and are causing dissension, this is contrary to what Jesus says here. Now that doesn't mean if we know somebody is obviously taking words or scriptures out of context, and I'm talking like obviously out of context, things you can easily go look up scholarly sources to. That's different. You can point out the error there, and you should. I should. All of us should. And that's really another thing that Course Correction Radio was founded for. However, if a church is dividing over something as the color of a carpet, which was a crazy story I heard once, these are, this is not the love of Christ on display. This is not His will on display. If we're dividing over non-theological issues or even non-essential issues, if those are causing divisions and churches to be split, we have a problem. 
But let's not stop here. Paul expounds on this in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 10, Paul says this, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I had baptized in my own name, and I baptized also the household of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Brothers and sisters, we need to be in the scriptures every day. We need to be seeking the face of Jesus Christ. We need to be asking the Holy Spirit continually for guidance. Our passage here says that we are to speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among us. We've got to eventually come to the terms where we can all read the Bible and speak the same thing, and that be Jesus Christ and Him crucified first and foremost. Matthew 28, 18-20, the Great Commission says we are to go out and teach all that he has commanded us. And might I propose that a lot of our divisions in the church could go away if we would put the teachings of Jesus Christ above all else. After the Reformation started, there was a saying that became very popular. That saying being sola scriptura. Scripture alone. And now, more than ever, we need to return to Scripture and we need to turn to Scripture alone. For I do believe that that is where majority of our problems come from today. We have various sects of Christianity that rely more on direct revelation from God than they do on God's own word. And they are leading people astray. The Bible said that a great deception would come, and my friends, you can all you have to do is turn on TBN to see what is going on there. But don't take my word for it. Let's go to the scripture itself. We're going to start at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled. 
neither by spirit nor by letter as from us, as the day of the Lord is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped. So that he is God, sitteth in the temple of God, shewing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that I, that when I was yet with you, I told you these things? And now ye know what withholdeth, that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And that when that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness and unrighteousness in them that perish because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved and for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie that they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness now Jesus said he was the way he was the truth he was the life, and no man comes to the Father but by him. But see, in this day of moral relativism and the fact that there is no one central truth, people don't want to hear that. What's true for me not, may not be true for you, but I can go ahead and tell you, if it's not true, it's a lie. Plain and simple. And I know that sounds harsh and I don't mean it to. But the fact of the matter is. Is there is only one way to heaven my friends. And by heaven I mean. To where God is. Because we know that one day the city of New Jerusalem will come down to us. But I digress. Paul later said to Timothy that one day. People would depart from sound doctrine and seek after people who tickle their ears. And I know from my own past experiences that I looked for churches that best suited my preconceived notions of what the Bible said. That is a problem. And I'll tell you why it's a problem. Because our, we all bring bias, plain and simple. However, our preconceived notions should not interpret the Bible, but it should be vice versa. We should throw out our preconceived notions if they do not match up with what the Bible says. We have got to stop with seeking the tickling of our ears. We have got to stop with wanting to hear quote-unquote 
feel-good messages. This is a pride issue. Going and hearing a sermon is not about us. The whole point of being in a worship service is to give glory to God. And part of giving glory to God is not just it's not just the music we sing. It's about submitting to his authority. And we cannot do that unless we first submit to what the Holy Spirit has said through the scriptures. It is through this pride and arrogance that the mystery of lawlessness and iniquity that Paul talks about is taking hold. We cannot glorify God. We cannot show the world the wonderful Messiah that we have if we are too busy seeking after our own desires. All right, sorry there. A little bit of an extended rant to start the show. But I just wanted to kind of go into some things that showed the motivations for why Course Correction Radio is even a thing. There is a lot of division out there. And it's just been a burden on me to speak up in some form or fashion. I cannot sit idly by. And I'm nobody special. That's for sure. But I do have a voice. And I want to use it to point people back to Jesus Christ. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a little break right now. I'm going to grab some coffee. I'll be back in just a second and we'll go into the next portion of the show which will be starting to break down first john and how we can get some unity back in to the body of christ we'll be right back And we're back. Thank you for sticking with us. I needed that coffee. All right. The second segment, we're going to move on to walking in light versus walking in darkness. We're going to start in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This, then, is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. And do not the truth. But if we walk in light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Now compare this with Ephesians chapter 5. And what we're going to do is we're going to back up 
to verse 31 in chapter 4 and continue through to verse 14. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you, with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be ye therefore partakers with them. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make it manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. A pattern is starting to develop here. Darkness seems, according to the text we have read thus far, to be associated with sin and unrighteousness. Now let's take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse 3. Because if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. It is only through Jesus Christ that we can come out of darkness. We'll take a look at the words Jesus himself said about the light in John chapter 8 starting in verse 12 then spake Jesus unto them saying I 
and the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself. Thy record is not true. Jesus answered and said unto them, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true, for I know whence I came and whither I go, but ye cannot tell me whence and whither I go. I come, ye judge after the flesh. I judge no man, and yet if I judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I and the Father that sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one that beareth witness of myself, and the Father that sent me beareth witness of me. Then said they unto him, Where is thy father? And Jesus answered, Ye neither know me nor my father. If ye had known me, ye should have known my father also. These words spake Jesus in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no man laid hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. Then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way, and ye shall seek me, and ye shall die in your sins, whether I go, ye cannot come. Now see, these days, we've gotten it backwards inside the church. And this may be a little offensive, and I, I really don't mean it to, but we just saw that Jesus said that he is the light of the world. And we know that in earlier sections of the gospel, he said you don't take a candle and hide it under a bushel. You don't do that. You know, it's the song, This Little Light of Mine, I'm Gonna Let It Shine. But what we do is these days, we have people say, Bring your friends to church. Which one of the 45,000 would be best for my friend? Let me ask you that first and foremost. Or would it be better for me to go out and in my everyday life praise the name of Jesus Christ and proclaim him in the world to unbelievers. I'm supposed to go out and take my light, but what we've done is we have turned the church into a bushel. That's where the seeker-friendly movement came from. Um, I don't remember which pastor it was in the Elephant Room series that said people are not interested in coming in. I can't even remember how he said it, to be honest. But his premise was that the church, the way it is, does not attract the outside world. And I would say he's absolutely right. Because the church was not made to attract the outside world. But rather, we were supposed to go meet them where they're at. Not being like them, but being so different and seeing, having so much of Jesus Christ inside us that they would notice it. And we can preach the gospel. We can preach repentance to them out where we already are. We go to them, not bring them to us. We have it backwards. And it's time that we change course. And we teach people the biblical way. 
All right, we're going to switch up gears just a little bit. And we're going to head over to chapter 6 of 2 Corinthians, starting in verse 14. And this will be talking about light and darkness and the relation of unequally yoked marriage as well as idolatry. 2 Corinthians 6, 14. But be ye not equally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of God, of the living God, and he, as he hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Or, let's look at it in the relation of the return of Jesus. Now we're going to head over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And what we're going to do is, we're going to start in verse 13 to give a little bit of context. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love 
and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, to warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, and be patient toward all men. Now I'm going to take another quick break here. Going to grab some water. And we're going to go into segment three. Love one another. We'll be right back. Alright, welcome back. This is the third segment love one another we're going to start with a scripture in Matthew chapter 22 starting in verse 34 getting a little tongue tied I, (laughs) I apologize but when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence they were gathered together then said one of them which was a lawyer asking him asked him a question tempting him and saying master which is the great commandment in the law Jesus said unto him thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind this is the first and great commandment and the second is like unto it that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself and on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets This is what Paul had to say on the subject that we just discussed from Jesus. Romans chapter 13, starting in verse 8. Owe no man anything but to love one another, for that he that loveth one another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness... Thou shalt not covet, and if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill will to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer. Than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. And let us put out the armor. Put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly. As in the day. Not in rioting. And drunkenness. Not in chambering. And wantonness. Nor in strife and envying. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. 
and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. We have churches today teaching that the law of God has been done away with. But we have a problem here. Because 1 John 3, 4 tells me that sin is transgression of the law. So if we throw out the law, number one, how will unbelievers know what sin is? How will we continue to discern the sin in our lives if we don't constantly have something to tell us what's right from what's wrong? But more importantly, Paul says love is the fulfillment of the law. So if we throw out the law of God, how will we have an example to not only love God, but love our neighbor as well? Paul said that various commandments could be summed up by love your neighbor as yourself. Now, we have places, even the most subtle commandments, such as in the days of ancient Israel, they were to leave the corners of their flock for widows and orphans to glean. This was a way that God made sure that even what we would consider, quote-unquote, the lowliest of the low still got provided for. But if we throw out the law of God... How will we have good examples? And I use that one because that's an obscure one that people don't think about. But we have a way to provide for widows and orphans. James said true religion is this, that we take care of widows and orphans. But may I ask how we can have that true religion if we have, getting, if we have gotten rid of what the Bible tells us is right and what is wrong. 1 John 3, 11 through 19 says this, For this is the message that ye have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him, because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. We know that we have passed from death unto life, because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Hereby we know that we are of the truth, and shall assure our hearts before him. Love is very similar to faith. If it is not active, it is worthless. It is our sign that we are of the truth and our assurance that we belong to Jesus. And in closing this out, my prayer is that we can each individually and communally and whatever assembly or church 
that we all may be in. We get in our word and we find out what's an error. We point it out. We find out what a true biblical heresy is because there is a difference between error and heresy. We do our best to correct the error. We disavow those in heresy though. And I think that too many times today we have disagreements that end with people being called heretics that just see the scriptures a little differently. And that's that's not okay. Brothers and sisters, we must come together, but we must come together on the terms of the Bible. That's about all that I have for this episode. Thank you so much for sticking with me so far. And I will see you guys next week here on Course Correction Radio. Take care.